Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of BBP News. I'm Nicholas Rod, and I am alone this morning. No Chris to join me, but we do have a lot of news today. We are back. Um, and before we get into anything, let's get into the weather. In Los Angeles today, it'll be partly cloudy and 72 degrees. In Houston, Texas, mostly clear with a high of 82 degrees. In Chicago, partly cloudy with a high of 55. And in New York City today, it will be clear with a high of 51 degrees. Now, you might be wondering if you are a constant listener to the show, uh, why we didn't have an episode out yesterday. Well, there was a combination of things, really. <laughs> uh, we had some technical difficulties when it came to getting everything together and getting everything recorded. So that definitely did not help the situation. Um, the other major reason why this is coming out a day later than usual is because there were actually some pretty big ticket items and stories that uh, were just coming out yesterday that I wanted to save and, and get into the show as soon as possible. So... We waited it out an extra day, and now we're back with a Tuesday show this week. But that won't be that won't become a normal thing. Obviously, that next week the show will be back to Monday as always. But when it comes to an intro, I really don't have too much to say. It's been busy, <laughs> to say the least, between college and everything else I've been doing. Um, you know, just trying to get everything done with the news. Things have been crazy. There's been so much going on, you know, like I said, and, and like you'll see as we get into the episode here and all the stories. But honestly, it's just been, you know, busy. And truthfully, I don't mind that. You know, relaxing's nice. And this is something that we've brought up before on the show. Relaxing is nice. It is. But sometimes you need to have a, a period where you're just constantly busy. Because, you know, you get to feel productive. You get to feel like you're getting things done. And, you know, it, it just feels good. If you, you know, if you understand what I'm talking about there. When it gets too slow paced and when everything kind of slows down too much and just becomes too stagnant, you don't feel like you're really getting anything done. You don't feel like you're really you know, really doing anything. And I don't like that feeling at all. I like to feel like I'm accomplishing something. I like to feel like I'm getting something done a lot of the time. You know, I have my points where I need to rest and where I want to relax and want to just enjoy myself. But I also have a lot of periods where I'm like, I, I just want to feel like I'm doing something. I want to feel as if I'm being productive, and this week has definitely provided that. No doubts about that. <laughs> but without any further talk or you know rambling or anything on my part, let's get into the episode because we have a lot to get into. So first, we'll start out with the weekly COVID-19 update, and the seven-day average for new cases in the United States is about 73,300 per day. The seven-day average for new daily hospitalizations is about 5,000, and the latest seven-day average for daily deaths is about 1,000. 
At this point in time, the United States is averaging about 300,000 first-time COVID-19 vaccinations per day. More than 25 million people have received a COVID-19 booster shot so far, and as of mid-last week, more than 900,000 children ages 5 to 11 had received their first shots of the COVID-19 vaccine. Now, switching over to testing a little bit, last week the FDA issued a Class 1 recall on a certain group of Elium at-home COVID-19 tests. Now, if you're unaware of what Class 1 means, it is the most uh, severe recall class that is issued. The reason for the recall was that they were giving too many false positives due to a manufacturing error. The manufacturing dates for the group at hand were February 24th to August 11th, and the distribution dates were April 13th to August 26th. This is actually an expansion on an earlier recall on these tests that came back on October 5th. But that is the end of our COVID-19 update, and now we switch gears a little bit to former Governor Andrew Cuomo. Now, throughout the investigation, former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo was often combative with investigators and repeatedly denied inappropriate behavior. Now, there was a 515-page transcript released by the state's attorney general, Letitia James, and she had launched an investigation that found that Cuomo groped, kissed, and made sexual suggestive comments towards 11 women. A former Cuomo aide, Brittany Camiso, who claims Cuomo groped her in the governor's mansion, made the most disturbing claims against the former governor, but Cuomo told investigators that it never happened, saying, quote, it would be an act of insanity to touch a woman's breast and make myself vulnerable to a woman for such an accusation, end quote. The incident prompted a separate investigation from the Albany County Sheriff's Office, which filed a criminal complaint against the former governor last month for forcibly touching. The Albany County District is now investigating the criminal complaint, and when asked if he ever kissed any staff members on the lips, Cuomo replied, quote, I kiss on the cheek. There may be an occasion where staff members kiss me on the lips, but I kiss on the cheek as a rule, end quote. Another incident came from an unmarked trooper on Cuomo's security detail who claims she was harassed and inappropriately touched. She told investigators, quote, I felt like completely violated because to me, like that's between my chest and my privates, end quote. Cuomo's attorney criticized the state attorney general, saying that they are prejudiced against people for a criminal charge that is pending. At the end of the questioning with Cuomo, he said, quote, I would like to say it was a pleasure, but I am under oath, end quote. Now talking about flights, on Tuesday, November 9th, the FAA released a new report outlining over 
$225,000 worth of fines for 10 passengers acting unruly on flights. This is all stemming from a zero-tolerance policy the FAA put into place back in January of this year to stop these kinds of incidents. In total, the fines have reached over $1 million. Some of these cases have involved people refusing to wear a face mask while on the flight, and some of these include a woman flying from Tampa Bay to Miami back in January, fined $24,000 for refusing several times to put on her mask. She then shoved a flight attendant when her removal was ordered by the pilot of the flight. Also, a woman flying from New Orleans to Baltimore was fined $24,000 for responding to a flight attendant's request for her to wear her mask by punching and kicking him. And there was even a case from last year when a woman flying from Detroit to Salt Lake City in December refused to wear her mask and then began swearing at the crew members and threatening them. The largest penalty that was given when it came to these 10 passengers was for a woman on a Horizon Air flight in May from Austin to San Francisco. She was fined $32,000 for punching her husband and son throwing trash at flight attendants, and committing other unruly actions. The FAA says that overall the number of cases of unruly passengers has dropped sharply since they introduced this new policy. However, they also believe that there is more that can be done to bring that number down even more. Those that receive an enforcement letter from the FAA have 30 days to respond to the agency. Now, moving to Capitol Hill, the House Select Committee investigating the attack on the Capitol on January 6th has continued calling on Trump administration employees to answer questions and submit documents from that day. However, this process has not been smooth as several people who worked for the former president have refused to speak a word about that day. One of the most notable is Steve Bannon, who acted as an advisor to the former president. He refused to show up after being subpoenaed by the committee and was charged with two counts of contempt of Congress for that refusal. Bannon was officially indicted last week and released on his own recognizance on Monday. Now, another member of former President Trump's staff could be facing the same charges. This is Trump's former chief of staff, Mark Meadows, who refused to show up to the hearing on Friday, the date given on the subpoena. Meadows was issued a warning on Thursday to comply with the subpoena, but still refused. Both Meadows and Bannon have claimed executive privilege protects them from having to comply with the subpoena, but the verdict on that is still very much out. Former President Trump currently has a case in the U.S. Court of Appeals in the D.C. Circuit to determine whether he qualifies for executive privilege. That case alone is a questionable one at this point, and the case won't be heard until the 30th of this month. 
with that case being undetermined, the possibility for these former staff members to use executive privilege as a defense is completely up in the air, and we will have to wait for the court's ruling before we can even begin to put the puzzle together. In the meantime, Representative Benny Thompson, Representative Liz Cheney, and Representative Adam Schiff have all made statements saying that they will be moving for Meadows to be charged with contempt of Congress, just like Bannon. Now we have a child tax credit update. The November payment for the child tax credit was sent out yesterday, and there are some things that the IRS wants you to be aware of. The payment is going out to about 36 million families across the country and totals about $15 billion. A majority of people are receiving their payment through direct deposit. However, there are some that are receiving it through paper check. For those that are receiving it by paper check, the IRS says to be patient and that it might take until the end of the month for your check to arrive. The IRS also says that if you want to change your information so that you can receive your December payment through direct deposit, you can do so through the portal on the IRS website. However, you should make sure to make this change by November 29th as that is the deadline for changes on the December payment. Speaking of deadlines, yesterday marked the deadline for non-filers to sign up for the child tax credit. If you don't file a tax return but wanted to sign up for this child tax credit, that window is now officially closed, so you will be unable to do so at this point. The IRS also wants you to know that if you did not receive your payments in July, August, September, or October, you will still get the full amount for those months. Half of the total will be given to you this month, and you will receive the other half in December. December will be the final payment for 2021, and it will be coming on the 15th. Now, the real big ticket item that really pushed this episode to this morning is the fact that the bipartisan infrastructure bill was officially signed into law. After months of intense debate, negotiation, and voting, as well as waiting, the $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill finally made it through Congress and to President Biden. Now that bill is law as the president officially signed the bill during an event on the White House lawn yesterday afternoon. In case you aren't aware of what is in this bipartisan bill, here is a little bit of a breakdown. It includes $550 billion in new spending over the next five years. It funds all kinds of traditional infrastructure projects across the country, like $110 billion to rebuild roads and bridges, $73 billion to rebuild the power grid, $65 billion for high-speed internet slash broadband, $66 billion for improvements to railways and freight cars, $55 billion to clean up the national water pipes and remove lead pipes, $39 billion to improve public transit, $29 billion for improvements to airports, and $7.5 billion to build electric car 
charging stations, just to name a few. Spirits were high and speeches upbeat as President Biden prepared to put this plan into motion. There were speeches from Democratic Senator Kirsten Sinema, Republican Senator Rob Portman, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Vice President Kamala Harris, and several business leaders from across the country. All of their speeches congratulated both parties for getting this package passed, and in a bipartisan way at that. In attendance were several governors, both Democratic and Republican House representatives and senators, cabinet members, and business leaders, just to name a few. With the bill now signed, we move into the implementation stage of the process. During his speech, President Biden announced that former New Orleans Mayor Mitch Landrieu would be put in charge of that implementation of the package. With the bill signed, President Biden, as well as First Lady Jill Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris, and several cabinet members will be hitting the road to talk about how the package can help Americans from all different communities. The first stop is happening today, as President Biden will be at a damaged bridge in New Hampshire. He will then visit General Motors and an assembly facility for electric vehicles in Detroit on Wednesday, and then they will continue from there. Next up on President Biden's agenda is getting the Build Back Better plan passed, which remains in the House as debate continues. As it stands, that bill would cost about $1.85 trillion. In her speech yesterday, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi did say that they are hoping to have that bill passed through the House this week. But now moving into rapid news, closing arguments have concluded in the murder trial of Kyle Rittenhouse and jury deliberations are beginning today. And radio host Alex Jones has been ruled liable for damages in the lawsuits of parents from the Sandy Hook shooting victims, uh, with Jones saying that the shooting was a hoax. There will be a hearing coming up to determine just how much he will have to pay in those damages. But now moving into good news, and I just have a full-on wacky story this morning that I had to share because it blew my mind from the moment I began reading it. <laughs> so, the story that I have is about an 80-year-old man, Mike Palin, who can still lift 800 pounds. Yes, you heard me. An 80-year-old man is lifting 800 pounds. <laughs> now, he started out when he was 12 years old, when his father was working on building a bench, and there was some leftover cement that he was able to use as, uh, you know, kind of like dumbbells, and so he just started lifting. And uh, he never stopped. Back in his prime, you know, he was kind of doing lifts as if he were going to go for the Olympics. And he actually would have been quite close. In his prime days, he was lifting about 235 for the snatch and about 315 for the clean and jerk, which are three different 
events in powerlifting in the Olympics. Well, not too long before that, or right around that same time, actually, one of the world's and history's best powerlifters was lifting not too much more than that. Uh, he was, you know, the one with the world record was from the U.S., and he was lifting about... It was 350 for the clean and jerk and 280 for the snatch. So really, Palin wasn't far off. Well, today, like I said, he's still lifting about 800 pounds. Um, 765 was reported in the article, and he's continuing to move himself back up towards that 800 mark and beyond. Um... And really, I just have I just had to share this story because it blew my mind. An 80-year-old basically defying any stereotypes that you attribute to people at that age. You know, a lot of 80-year-olds you'd imagine are, you know, wearing down or like calming down, I should say. Maybe not wearing down necessarily, but calming down. You know, they're not looking to lift 800 pounds or lift crazy amounts, you know, when you reach 80 years old, you know, oftentimes you'll see people that age just trying to relax and trying to enjoy their time and enjoy their life. Well, Palin has decided to live young forever because instead of you know, going through that calm down process instead of just letting himself relax. He's going all out, you know, he's going all out. He's still lifting 800 pounds. He still skis. He still does all this stuff. He's living young forever. And it's just absolutely amazing to see and really just gives, I know it gives me motivation to do better. Are you kidding me? An 80 year old is lifting 800 pounds. (laughs) What can I do if I really try? Um, So really, this is just an amazing story. I thought it was a great motivational story, and it put a smile on my face just to imagine someone who's 80 years old just outlifting everybody. Everybody. (laughs) But that is it for this morning's episode of BBP News, and I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you want to stay up to date with all the latest in breaking news go give us a follow on our twitter page that link is in the show notes and follow us on our personal accounts where we are always talking about anything and everything those links are in the show notes as well also head over to medium where we have articles about information that doesn't you know different stories that don't show up on the podcast and in some cases we go deeper into the topics that we talk about here over there so go make you know go check those out and link in the show notes for that as well But that is all from me, you guys. We will be back here tomorrow with a dumb law and then back on Friday for a wrap-up of the week's news. Until then, see you later, guys.